We are in continuing yet our series in Colossians, and we've been looking particularly at um, a, a sort of hymn, a song that appears in Colossians. Um, now, as far as I'm aware, the, um, the writer of this uh, letter is, wasn't prone to bursting into to song spontaneously all the time, but um, we know what it's like, isn't it, when we sing songs. It's so easy then to remember and get those things into us, and this hymn is no exception. It's got so many wonderful truths um, in it, which um, are wonderful and true, but they're also powerful and relevant for our lives. So um, that's my hope for us this morning, that we can um, have a look at one more way in which our God is glorious and um, enjoy that together. So we're going to read from um, 1 Colossians, starting at verse 15, and we're going to be focusing particularly on the second part of verse 18. It'll come up on the screen behind. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, then everything he might be preeminent. That's our verse um, for today. And um, this hymn, the, the big idea, as, you were, as it was, um, of this passage is that Jesus is truly great. We've seen in so many different ways over the past weeks how um, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the ambassador of God. He is God. You want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. We've seen how he's the creator. He's the one who made all things. How he's the sustainer, the one who holds all things together. Even now, every heartbeat in this room held together by him. And how he's the head of the church, his people on earth. All of these wonderful, true things. And we come to this verse, and this has another way in which Jesus is truly wonderful. And it's um, got a little bit of a complicated word that I wouldn't use in everyday speech to kind of sum this up. And it kind of sums up the whole passage. It says that Jesus is preeminent. So like every good um, 21st century person brought up with computers, I did the obvious thing and I googled what preeminent meant just to make sure we got it right. And um, I loved the definition so much that I thought I'd read it out to you. This is Jesus, the preeminent one. Preeminent, surpassing all others, Greatest, leading, foremost, best, finest, chief, outstanding, excellent, distinguished, prominent, eminent, important, major, star, top, top tier, topmost, famous, renowned, celebrated, illustrious, towering, supreme, superior, exceptional, unrivaled, unsurpassed, unequaled, inimitable, in incomparable, matchless, peerless, transcendent, and then there was a little button which I could click that said more. <laughs> <laughs> so this is our Jesus. This sums him up. And we get to see in verse 18, it says that he is preeminent in all ways, in all things, he is like this. And we get to see one of those ways in verse 18, which we'll unpack now. So it says, Jesus is the beginning. 
Jesus is the beginning. Now, this is a really good reminder of a few weeks ago when we looked at Jesus as creator. It surely reminds us that he is the one that spoke the stars into being, that crafted planets, that knit together each person in this room in their mother's womb, tiny fingers, tiny toes. He's the one who made it all. He's the creator. He is the beginning. It is glorious. If we look around our world, it is beautiful. It's stunning. And yet, we also know that it's a, a broken kind of wonderful. If we're honest with ourselves, we, we know that our world is broken. It is marred. It is scarred by something the Bible calls sin. It's scarred by what happens when mankind, when you and I, turn away from our life giver, our king. We turn away from the life giver, and the result is death. Death has entered our world. Our world is now a decaying world. Everything is marred by it. A wonderful but broken creation. Now, when it says beginning, it is reminding us of that, but it's actually talking of something else. It's talking of a new beginning. There's hints here of how Jesus is a founder of something new, something totally new. And we get that in the next part of the verse. It says, he's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Now, at first, I must admit, I found that phrase a little bit um, weird, slightly scary sounding, you could say. Firstborn from the dead does sound like a bad 80s horror, horror movie. Um, but once you move beyond that, you discover that there's actually some pretty amazing things that Jesus has done to get that title. You see, Jesus, the creator God, came into his creation. He became a man. And he came in and he lived a perfect sinless life, unlike you and I never rebelling against his father, never turning away. He lived perfectly in this decaying world. And then he died a death on a cross. He died a death that we deserve because we had rebelled against the life giver, but he didn't deserve. And then he did something new. Jesus broke death. Jesus reversed the decay and the brokenness that is in this world. Jesus rose from the dead. When his friends came to the tomb to pay their respects and to bring spices and all the sort of things that they would do with a dead body, they found the tomb was open and Jesus was conspicuous by his absence. He was gone. But you might say, well, that's happened before. I mean, it says he's the firstborn from the dead. Surely he's not the first that this has happened to. We have seen in, um, in the Bible before, even one of Jesus' own friends, Jesus raised him from the dead, Lazarus. But he always raised people from the dead. These people who'd been raised before were raised back to this life, this old creation life. And they would have gone on to live and then die, perhaps a more timely death. But death was still there. This is a different thing. This is something new. He has founded something entirely new. He has risen. A resurrection. It's a totally, totally different. Totally new. It's a new creation. Not like the old creation. A new creation. And he's the firstborn 
from the dead. Now, if, if that wasn't enough, we could probably just worship and enjoy how glorious and masterful and matchless and preeminent and inimitable, which is the word I always struggle to say, that that is in itself, that Jesus did that. But that's not all he did. He didn't just do it for himself. Because the word firstborn is used of Jesus quite a few times in the Bible. And one time it says that he is the firstborn amongst many brothers. See, Jesus didn't just reverse death for his own pleasure. He reversed it for us. See, before, our lot was death. There was nothing we could do about it. There was no way out of it. It's as if we live our lives, we go into death, and that dark dungeon has no way out of it. But it's as if Jesus marched into humanity, marched into the dark dungeon of death, and then blasted a hole in the other side, founding a new creation. And it's as if he turns to us and says, why don't you follow me? I know that's the dungeon that I want to be walking into, not the one that ends with death as the full stop, but the one that ends with me following Jesus out into a new creation. You see, Jesus in that moment founded a new creation where death is no more. It's spoken of in Revelation. You see, when Jesus invites us to follow him, to become his brothers and sisters, to follow him into new life, he not only invites us to be his brothers and sisters, he invites us to be his co-heirs. We share in his inheritance. And our inheritance now is a new creation, totally new, where death is defeated. And this is how it's described. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall but there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. I don't know about you, but that is what I am longing for. To be with the matchless one, the all-surpassing one, the one who broke death, the one who we get to see face to face and enjoy for eternity. That is who I want to spend my life with. And even as we worshipped just now, you would have heard people singing out, praying out. That is their longing too. If you know him, if you have accepted his invitation to follow him, then that is our inheritance. We can be certain that at the other side of death isn't darkness, but it's a wonderful inheritance that can never be snatched away from us. It's pretty wonderful news. But, there's always a but, do we have to wait until then? Do we have to wait until death 
to enjoy this new creation. If Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, if he has ushered in this new creation, do we have to simply wait till then, till this old creation has expired? Well, actually, good news is we don't. It says in 2 Corinthians, it talks of those of us who have accepted Jesus' invitation to follow him. It talks of us as new creations now. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's his way of saying a Christian, someone who has accepted Jesus and following him, if anyone was in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Amazing. You are a new creation. If you follow Jesus, you are already a new creation. And you'll, you'll kind of know that if you remember that moment when you first accepted his invitation to follow him. You might look the same on the outside, not yet able to enjoy that resurrection body. Sorry, that is for <laughs> after death. But inside, you have become a new person. I remember it vividly um, as a seven-year-old, um, shy girl in a Christian camp somewhere, being invited to, to stand up. Come and chat to us if you want to know Jesus. Seemed a little bit scary. Seemed a little bit worrying because none of my friends were doing it and, and I really, really wanted to know this Jesus. All it was was standing up. But it's a big thing. And then I decided I couldn't possibly leave without having Jesus as my friend. That's all I understood of it. God loved me enough to be my friend. And so I stood and I prayed to him and I discovered that he loved me. And I looked the same on the outside we going back to school, looked very, very similar to my friends, but on the inside, I felt like I wanted to just skip all the way home. I was totally new, totally changed and different. I was a new creation. And that's what happens when we um, have baptisms here. We're celebrating that someone has become a new creation. The old is gone and dead. It's left in the water. They come up and they have new life. We are a new creation. We are made totally new. So we can enjoy it now. But then what happens in between? So we are new creations on the inside, and we will get a wonderful inheritance, a resurrection body, a perfect new creation to live in where we're face-to-face -face with the living God. But what about in the middle? What does that look like? Well, there's two things that I can find that seem to describe the in-between time. We'll call them growing and groaning. Groaning, it talks about in, um, in Romans 8, it talks about creation and us groaning, longing for that time. It describes it like this. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons and the redemption of our bodies. We're groaning for him. We're longing for that day. And it's right that we do. You see, we're, we are new creations, but we're living in an old creation world where there is pain, where there is death, where relationships are difficult, where misunderstandings cause problems, where life is just sometimes really hard. And that might be what you are carrying this morning. Maybe from the outside, it, everything looks fine, but inside, 
You're feeling the weight of this world, the pain of it, the difficulty of it. And though you might be looking forward to that, what about now? What about today? Well, the really good news is that just as we are co-heirs, we are heirs of the inheritance of that new creation, we get a down payment now. The Bible tells us we get something now of our new creation inheritance. It's called the Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus. The Spirit of the firstborn from the dead. The new creation Spirit. Just as we are new creations, we have His Spirit living in us. And His Spirit is here to encourage, and He can bring a new creation comfort. That verse in Revelation where it talks about Jesus wiping away every tear from the faces when death will be no more. If you're experiencing tears inwardly or outwardly today, then there is one who by his spirit wants to come to you and wants to wipe away every tear, wants to give you a taste of that end creation, a taste of a time when there'll be no more death, no more pain. And he can do that this morning. If you open your heart to him, he longs to come to you and to encourage you. But maybe you're saying, actually, I don't feel like I am groaning for that new creation. Maybe you heard some of the beautiful songs sung out and part of you felt like, oh, that's not how I feel. What's, what's wrong with me? Well, um, I've had the absolute joy recently of um, going along to some of my uh, best friends um, in Sheffield. I've got married and I've gone along to their weddings. A couple of others of them have um, just experienced the joy of having um, new babies and I've been able to enter into that and celebrate that with them and see how delighted and thrilled they are. It's it was, it's almost a picture. It's, it's the best of this earth. It's the best that this old creation can give. And it's wonderful. And yet, even the best of this creation is a shadow of the new creation to come. It's a pointer, a marker that says, this is good, but this points to something better. See, it's not that if you're feeling like you're in a, in a perhaps a, a comfortable situation, perhaps you're enjoying life. God wouldn't come to you and say, I, I want you to enjoy life, life less. That's not the message. He's not any sort of killjoy. His message isn't that he wants you to enjoy this life less, but he doesn't want you to settle for just this amount, an old creation amount of joy. All those things are a pointer to the new creation, where our joy will know no bounds. Where the slightest inkling of joy will far surpass the most rapturous day you've ever had on this earth. And just as the Spirit can offer comfort, the Spirit can come and stir our longing. If you find yourself not longing for it, thinking, maybe I, I should be longing for this, I want to want this, but I don't, then again, Open your heart to him and he will stir that longing. The spirit is jealous for your affections. He loves you so much that he doesn't want you to settle for anything less than his best. 
and he can stir that in you this morning. So, groaning, but also growing. Um, just as the old creation was, um, was given and it, and it grew and it uh, multiplied, in the same way as new creations, we grow day by day, year by year, becoming more like him. It describes it in Corinthians again. It says, we do not lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. Day by day, we are growing and becoming more and more like him. You see, you are a new creation in an old creation world. That's really weird. Just think about it. You are new creation people. If you know Jesus walking around in an old creation, you kind of carry something of the the smell, something of the fragrance of a totally different resurrection world. And you carry that around with you. And that means that you can have new creation hope and new creation power in your day-to-day now. And that is amazing news for me, because that means that I can have new creation strength for work. You can have new creation patience for your children or your spouse. Not that they would need it, obviously. You can have new creation courage to go on new creation exploits, to be able to pluck up the courage to offer, to pray to someone. I had some um, funny experiences trying to um, follow this and go about this. um, I've been loving uh, seeing week by week as we've been praying for people um, and seeing them saved, seeing them um, healed from different illnesses, and there'll be chance for us to do that at the end of the meeting. And just stirred about that. What if we saw that at, at work? So I um, had um, some chances to, to pray for people and um, got some very awkward responses, um, some awkward laughter and um, no thank yous. And then some time later, one of the ladies who'd understandably not been sure if she wanted me to pray for her went through a real personal difficulty, a tragedy, and I was able to pray with her. And that night I got a text saying, the prayers worked. It worked. And exactly what we'd prayed for had happened. And that just, just that moment, I was thinking, gosh, thank you, God, for giving me the courage to, to go, go about it. And, but she got a taste, a new creation taste, of the God who wiped away her tears. New creation exploits available for us. So... This Jesus, this preeminent one, this matchless one, this glorious one, he's God of the old creation, but he's also God of the new creation. He is the one who, if you don't know him this morning, invites you, why don't you follow me? Come with me. He's the one who, if you need comfort this morning, says, I have that for you. Come and experience my new creation comfort by my spirit. The one who can stir that longing for heaven in us. And the one who can give us courage for new creation exploits. He is magnificent. 
He is glorious. He is the resurrection, the one who has founded a totally new creation, and he's the one who is here now by his spirit. We're going to worship him. And as we do, I just encourage you to open your heart to him. You know where you're at. You know what you need, whether it's comfort, whether it's courage, whether it's to accept his invitation of following him for the first time. I'm going to worship him. Why don't we stand?